I think what gets in the way of a lot of guys doing yoga is the word yoga. And the problem is it's their idea about what it is instead of really, truly what it is. Thanks for checking out Guys Talking Yoga. So this podcast is focused on getting more men into yoga by raising awareness of its many benefits through conversations with other guys. I'm your host, Derek Vanderwalker, and today's guest is Johnny Gillespie. Johnny's background is in exercise science and strength and conditioning, and he's also been practicing and teaching yoga for over 20 years. Now, what I really enjoyed about this conversation is that Johnny, who, despite all his hard-earned wisdom, he still describes himself as a regular guy who's just trying to figure himself out. Well, I'll tell you what he has figured out and explains really well in this conversation is that if one part of the body isn't aligned, it affects the whole structure. And to heal and strengthen the body, you really have to take a holistic approach through awareness, breath, and movement. And you know what? This is what he's learned from his yoga practice. So Johnny Gillespie, great to have you and welcome to the show. Thank you, Derek. I appreciate you taking the time to talk with me. So if you wouldn't mind, who is Johnny Gillespie and what is your connection to yoga right now? Hmm. Well, that's a deep question to ask somebody. Who are they? Because if I was going to give you a really, really deep answer, I'd say, I don't know. I'm trying to figure out who that guy is every day. But I'll just say professionally, I've spent the last 26 years as a personal trainer, a strength and conditioning specialist working with athletes. And five years into my career, my body was all banged up. I was a banged up jock. And in March of the year 2000, I walked into a hot yoga studio and I hated it. And to say I hated it, it's an understatement. But then I woke up the next day and my back didn't hurt. And I knew that there was something there more than stretching because of my background in exercise science. So that started a whole shift in my life and a change in my journey of what I do. And I went on to open four different yoga studio locations and got really, really into practicing yoga and at the same time grew a fitness business. So I'm not only a teacher of yoga, but I'm also a practitioner of yoga for 21 years. I guess the spring, it'll be 22. So 20 years ago, what sports were giving you all these, these great joys? Yeah, I was playing ice hockey then, but I was having a hard time playing because of back pain. Yeah, I think many of us hockey players know that lower back pain. So I feel you. I still play hockey and it's yoga. I think that keeps me on the ice. Yep. So why did you consider yoga? Like why at that point were you like, hey, I'm not doing so hot. I got to I got to get in something to help me out. Why yoga? How did it come on your radar? I think that what I did is what I've learned over the last 22 years. Most people do, which is yoga is like the last stop on trying to find the remedy to heal your pain. So I started with physical therapy. I moved into massage. I tried acupuncture. I tried chiropractic. I tried all different kinds of things and nothing was working. So in a last ditch effort, I kind of went to yoga. And I find that a lot of people, that's like the last thing that they go to, especially guys, they'll try anything and then eventually they'll bring themselves to an old time low to walk into a yoga studio because they feel like they're going to just get embarrassed and it's going to be humiliating. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I feel for me, I always had this hope that whatever my back issues were, that there was something to figure out and sort out. Yep. And I got to a certain point where I was getting not just frustrated, but also like just watching the bank account 
shrink going to all these other people, mm-hmm. physical therapists, acupuncturists, massage therapists, trainers, and they all have their best intentions. But at a deeper level, there might be something else going on that undermines what they're trying to achieve. And for me, and it sounds like for you and maybe other guys who've gotten into yoga, at a certain point, you're just like, I got to figure this out within me. There has to be a solvable alternative to explore before you even consider doing something like surgery. Yeah, I mean, that first class, which I toyed around with yoga from 1995 to 2000, but it wasn't enough of a workout for me. It didn't give me a pump because again, I'm like between 23, 27. And then, so I was in enough pain that day to go to the class. Because of my background in exercise science and strength and conditioning, I knew that there was a lot more to it than just stretching, but my skill set was pretty small outside the box of strength and conditioning and weightlifting and running and training. My skill set was small when it came to really looking at the holistic nature of the human brain and the human body. So yoga just started to crack open and broaden my perspective. So when you went to that first class, how would you describe the feeling for what you were noticing in your body and what you sensed was working with yoga? Well, I would say that that very first class, it sucked. It sucked so bad. The room was so hot. I was hungover. I was so freaking tight. I was so muscle bound. So there was really nothing pleasurable whatsoever about that class. And I have a very elongated story on what actually happened during and after that class that would take me about 15, 20 minutes to tell because it kicked my ass in a way that I'd never had my ass kicked. It was so humiliating. And then Again, I woke up the next day, my back didn't hurt as much. I'm walking around my apartment. I'll never forget that morning. And I just had this moment where I'm like, what I'm doing is not working. And something worked there. So, and every time I went back to class, it was like there was a little more insight into understanding really what yoga actually was, which I don't think is taught very well as far as understanding really how the practice works. Most people think it's just a bunch of stretching. And you couldn't be more far from the truth. Yeah, I'm with you. I think the one gift that yoga has given me that I bring on the ice, the golf course, playing tennis, going for a run, biking, is having intention in what you're doing. And I've actually got injured in the past stretching without having any clue and awareness of what I'm doing. Yeah, I I tell people all the time, Derek, I'm not a big stretch guy. I'm not into stretching. And people will look at me like, you're a yoga guy. I'm like, I'm not into stretching, not in the conventional sense. Like a contemporary look at what stretching is, is what I'm into, but not a conventional kind of way that people would look at just trying to pull on a muscle. For me, one of the big door openers was the idea that the reason why it seems to lengthen and strengthen you is the fact that you are working within your own nervous system to teach the muscle to work on a longer length and be able to have different types of contractions to support different alignments and postures and just relationships to the rest of your body. And what's so empowering, I think, about yoga is when you realize that this ankle or this knee or this shoulder that's been hanging you up for so long, you can actually start to work your way in there Mm -hmm. by bringing that intention into that joint, into those muscles, slowly bringing some heat and some awareness in there. And pretty soon those muscles know what to do. They may not be 
firing on all cylinders right away, but you can wake up these parts of your body and then start to weave them back in to what they're supposed to do with other muscles and joints and relationships in the body. And it may look like stretching to some people, but my feeling is it's really just a matter of reconnecting with those muscles and just patiently letting those things find their organic intelligence because you now have a sense and a feeling and a spot you didn't have before. Yeah, no, that was very poetically said. Yeah, because we are one organism. And so what I did previous to that yoga class was I had studied individual muscle function, exercise technique, and program design. And so I was very much so working on pieces. And the organism of the human brain body is trying to work as one organism. And so what you can really learn from practicing yoga is that everything's supposed to be working as one organism in a very cohesive and fluid way. And so a lot of times what's happening with most people, guys and women alike, is that their body's working in pieces. It's not working collectively. And what you can start to learn through the practice of yoga, if you have the right teacher and you have the right practice, is how really what you're working on doing is creating and building awareness on how everything is trying to work. Just say from a structural perspective, your feet, your legs, your hips, your core, your shoulders, your arms, your head position. And if any one part of your body isn't really well aligned, then it ultimately is going to affect the greater fabric of the whole structure as it's trying to move as one cohesive unit. Yeah, I, I really like the way you, you laid that out because I think about the metaphor of like a symphony and if the tuba player or the trombone is just out of whack, it just stands out big time and your body is like a symphony and injuries are a part of your body being like an instrument out of tune and pretty soon the rest of the symphony is going to basically start playing to try to fit the harmony of that misplaying tuba or trombone. And so to what you said about all those fibers kind of adjusting the whole system, the whole body into one little area, pretty soon the orchestra just plays whatever sounds the best given that limited instrument. And it took me a long time to realize how everything is so connected. I too felt like, oh, I've got a knee issue. I got to do knee stuff, knee stuff, knee stuff. And then after a while you realize the whole knee thing is going all the way across my body, up my body. And I think it's hard to put that in somebody else's mind until they really start feeling that. And I think yoga is just such a great place to have them start to make those connections. And as a strength and conditioning coach, I've worked with pro athletes all the way down to youth athletes, aging athletes. And an old expression used in strength and conditioning is the knee is a servant to the foot and hip, meaning that knee pain has really nothing to do with the knee most of the time. It's got to do with the hip and the foot. And the whole body is kind of working like that. Like back pain many times has nothing to do with the lower back or the neck. It's got to do with, it's got to do with the rest of the body. Something's not really working in a symphony-like fashion. And so you've got to really create more of a holistic approach to kind of what's going on to be able to create long-term healing and long-term pain relief. Yeah, amen to that. The other thing I'll say is, when your body starts to heal and you start to come out of these dysfunctional patterns, there's a vulnerability and a novelty to how that joint moving the way it's supposed to 
still feels weird and awkward. And I think it's fatiguing on the body. It's emotionally draining. There's still, there's still like, there's still the trauma kind of unwinding. But the cool thing is when they start to feel what you mentioned about the knee being the servant to the foot and the hip, then they realize how this stuff starts to really connect. And even though they got to be easy with that gentle hip, they can start to strengthen that over time. Hey man, Derek, you've done your work, dude. I'll tell you right now, man, I can tell by the way you're talking that you understand this thing more than most yoga teachers, I mean. <laughs> I appreciate it. I got to tell you, for me, having a, a deep psoas injury, and for those who are listening who don't know what the psoas is, it goes from the top of your thigh bone or your femur, goes through your pelvis, goes up behind your organs, yep. and attaches into your lower lumbar and maybe your last thoracic vertebrae and the fibers. And this is the wacky stuff is that even though the muscle attaches to where it attaches to, the fibers and the energy and the intelligence of those muscles can travel way around your back, up into your shoulder, into your abdominal. And so it's not just like this one rope or this one little chain that is your psoas. It has this connection to everything around it. And for me, it really messed up my diaphragmatic breathing. So as Joseph Campbell says, the way out is the way in. I had to go deep, deep, deep to unwind that psoas and bring it back. And so if I didn't have a yoga practice, I would have never gotten there. And because I have that injury, I've been way more in tune to figuring out how this stuff's connected. And so it's taken a long time, but I appreciate you saying that. And I appreciate the Joseph Campbell thing. I'm a huge Joseph Campbell follower. Right on. So. Empowered Yoga. You've got a studio in the Wilmington area called Empowered Yoga. You've got a program called The Balanced Athlete. So tell me a little bit about how you design your curriculum at your studio. Describe what The Balanced Athlete means to you. Yeah. So I'll be real quick with summarizing 20 years, right? So I started practicing yoga in March of 2000. I went from zero to Oprah, as my friend Jackie Bonwell likes saying, in like a day. And as I started studying it, then I, I opened up a studio within a couple of years and I was teaching a ton of yoga. I was still a strength coach. I was still a trainer and I was growing a fitness business alongside of it. So over the next five years, I was teaching a lot. I was watching people a lot. I was learning a lot. And I started realizing that the reason why I got into yoga was because I wanted to be pain free. And as I started to get more pain free, I started to realize how dangerous yoga really was for people that were not practicing it correctly, understanding the right alignment. So my certifications are through the NSCA, the National Strength and Conditioning Association. My first national presentation was entitled Balanced Athlete. And it was beginning to help strength coaches understand really what yoga was and what it wasn't. Every year annually, I've done presentations mostly in Las Vegas and throughout the country on balanced athlete, teaching other strength coaches, personal trainers from around the globe, really what yoga is. And then it started to grow beyond yoga because it was like, okay, now that we can start understanding how the body is trying to work in this cohesive fashion, then let's start taking a look at like lunging and squatting and rowing and other movements that are all going to help create right? A more balanced athlete, a more integrated athlete that's going to be less prone to injury, that's going to be less in less pain, 
and it's going to be able to function at a higher level. So the curriculum at our studio, we have empowered yoga curriculum, which is developed to combine the ancient healing art of yoga with modern day exercise science principles. And then we have balanced athlete. It's all barefoot. We're incorporating kettlebells and dumbbells and other forms of resistance that can help person once they've developed this awareness that I developed through practicing yoga to start developing it into developing more strength, more power, more agility, more things that can help them basically augment their yoga practice or somebody who maybe isn't interested in practicing yoga that wants to be out of pain, that wants more functionality is going to be able to engage in that program to help them take it to another level. That's awesome. So you said you do this all barefoot, right? Do you start with sort of a super light load to get them feeling that grounding through their feet, through their ankles, through their knees? Because I feel like with weightlifting, so much of it is just leaping over the real subtle stuff. Every balanced athlete class we have starts without weights for about 10, 15 minutes, sometimes up to 20 minutes. And we're just working on going through movements that are going to help you create right that Basically, what strength coaches and exercise science refer to as force transfer. So force transfer is the transfer of force or energy from the foot, through the shin, through the thigh, through the pelvis, through the spine. And then so we want to be able to create that basic fundamental ground force transfer awareness before we start to pick up any weight or anything like that. So even me, yesterday, I think I finished up my back squat at 275 for eight reps barefoot, of course. But what I did until the half hour I built up to that was a lot of body weight movement and then starting to add load before I wound up putting that kind of weight on my back to make sure that I was able to handle that load. So that's basically what we're doing with Imbalanced Athlete. And so where do you, where does breathing come into your program? Well, everything starts and ends with breathing from the moment we're born to the moment we die. So it's all about breathing. Everything's about breathing, right? Every movement is, we're focused on breathing in every movement. Yeah, I look back to when I was doing Allison West teacher training, and I've said this on another podcast interview, Allison used to reprimand me for holding my breath in certain poses because I was so used to like high school where you're basically on the bench and your buddies shouting at you, telling you how well you've got this. You got the couple of plates on there and a couple of nickels. And you stop breathing and you're just pushing it up, Allison West. And I've found in my own yoga practice and even in the weight room, I actually will go much less weight, but I'll find the place where I can breathe easy and still have a little bit of struggle and start to have the wobbly or shaky legs. And then I'll back off and then I'll go back in again. But I find if you can really calm the breath nice and easy on that deeper level, talking about connecting the brain with your body then I think really you start to connect into the deeper training of your body. And then you can always add load as you go. But I try to always start with finding that edge first and then building on it. Yeah, yeah, no, well said, yeah. So I know that you have a deep yoga practice. You've been doing it for 20 years. You've got great fitness training. What's been your experience in being able to connect some of the philosophical stuff or some of the mindfulness and the self-awareness that you've come across in yoga, how has it helped you just live a fuller, better life? I think it was the Buddha that said, and I'll probably butcher this a little bit, that thought turns into word, word becomes the deed, deed hardens into 
character, and character gives birth to destiny. Watch your thoughts with care and attention, sprung from acceptance and care for all beings, and you too will discover peace. So that was Siddhartha Gautama, the Buddha. So most people don't really understand meditation. They think meditation is like achieving the state where you're not thinking. And I like to tell people, if you're not thinking, that means you're dead. So the meditation and the mindfulness component that one can learn through practicing yoga, once again, if they have the right teacher and they have the right program where mindfulness and meditation is emphasized, then they can begin to start getting underneath the hood of the narrative of their life. But if they can't understand how invested they are in the narrative and how much the narrative controls them, and many times leads them down the wrong path of life, then they're just going to simply increase suffering. But if they can start to take a step back through some type of meditation practice and start to understand the narrative and then start to kind of basically kind of kick the tires a little bit on the way that they're thinking, right? So for me, the meditation component, the understanding of the Buddhist teachings has been completely life-altering and shifting in my life because I understand my narrative a lot more, and that is what meditation is. The word meditation literally means to become familiar with. So in the practice of meditation, you're beginning to kind of take a step back and really look at the way that you're thinking, understand the way that you're thinking, and begin to kind of develop a level of awareness to where you don't need to be feeding right, the narrative so much. And this is where your life can take a shift. And this is where you can become a lot wiser and more compassionate within the way that you're living. That narrative that we all either consciously or unconsciously try to maintain is usually not a healthy one. And that is when it comes down to it, the self, the ego that you're trying to protect. And I, I hear you loud and clear about being aware of your thoughts and knowing what those thoughts are. Even if you're, and a lot, a lot of times it's usually the negative thoughts that are driving us nuts, but even we get lost in our own kind of joy in the moment. And there's a little bit of like, all right, let's bring it back a little bit on, on where you're at because you're pretty fired up about something. Yeah, especially guys, because guys tend to be intense and guys tend to be too serious. And so definitely the practice has helped me enjoy my life a lot more and laugh more and cut people a break. Right. And just to realize how ridiculously serious I am all the time and to keep kind of trying to laugh at myself being too serious. Especially being on the other side of 40. I don't know if it's this time in our life where you just start to learn to let go and accept the decisions and the way life's shaken out. But to your point about letting go of the narrative or being at least aware of the narrative and having a choice and deciding if you're going to continue to maintain that narrative or let some stuff go, it's really freeing to know that you don't have to have X, Y, and Z. You don't have to be X, Y, and Z. And you're right. I think a lot of guys are too often fighting the good fight way too much, and it wears you down. And if you're not paying attention to your body, it wears your body down. And if your body gets worn down, your mind gets worn down, and just keeps kind of having this cycle where it keeps beating on you. Yep. It's like one other thing I always try to mention, Derek, is like if anybody gets scared of like the Buddha and the Buddhism and stuff like that, Buddha means awake, right? So what I say to people, it's like, if you want to stay asleep, then don't understand Buddhism. But if you want to wake up, understand Buddhism. And it's not about being a Buddhist. 
the Buddha wasn't a Buddhist. What was the Buddha concerned with? The Buddha, the Buddha was like the original Tony Robbins. He was like a life coach and he was like a life motivator. And so if you want to understand your pain, if you want to live with more joy and less suffering, then dig into Buddhism and know that you don't have to wear a name tag. You don't have to be a Buddhist, but just it'll make you a better Christian. It'll make you a better whatever it is that you are by just understanding the basic tenets of Buddhism. And I feel like even if you go into learning the basics of yoga philosophy, you can just see how it influenced Buddhism. And you're right. You don't have to be a card-carrying Buddhist to appreciate the benefits for having to be conscious of your thoughts, conscious of your mind, and realizing you have a choice to let those thoughts go and find peace and happiness and letting a lot of things go. What would be the advice that you give to guys listening on not just how to start it, but how to sustain it and grow it? Well, the first thing, and I tell this to men and women, it's like if you come to a studio and you try yoga and you don't really like the studio and it didn't speak with you or the teacher or whatever, then go to another studio. Find a place and a teacher that speaks to you because the practice of yoga itself is essential as brushing your teeth. And so you want to just be able to just try to find the right spot. And, and once you can find the right spot, you can find the right teacher and you'll start to understand really what the practice and how it can really enhance the quality of your life a lot. I think what gets in the way of a lot of guys doing yoga is the word yoga. And the problem is it's their idea about what it is instead of really truly what it is. And what it comes down to is having the right teacher and the right program that can get somebody to really understand really what the practice can do for them and how understanding really truly what it is, what could wind up being the door that opens up for them to be able to see, right, that there's a way out of this. thing. It's spot on because I think everyone comes with their own perceptions of what to expect. And they're sort of, I think, sometimes looking for a reason maybe not to enjoy it. But if they don't quite have it at first class, there's so much else out there. I mean, I started with Bikram. I don't do Bikram anymore. It's not for my body. It's not what I need. But there's so much other yoga out there. Yeah. I mean, most people don't realize that in 2000, when I took that class and I did a lot of Bikram, and then I just started just looking up. The internet was just getting going. I started looking up. And the next thing you know, I'm going up to New York City every other weekend on the train. And I'm going from yoga studio to yoga studio, realizing that there's hundreds of different approaches to yoga. Johnny, I got to tell you, it's taken four years, but the universe has connected us. I appreciate you spending time and sharing all your great thoughts. I appreciate you doing what you're doing, trying to help guys out there. And, And thank you. Thank you for your time. Right on, man. And thanks for sharing. Take it easy, brother. Hey, that was a great conversation with Johnny. You know, he's one of the more spiritual guys I've met along the way who is a super guys guy, but also really deep into the spiritual stuff and has an appreciation for all of the things that we run into, not only in the gym or on the ice or in the studio, but just life itself. So here's one tip that Johnny shared that I think you guys should think about, which is go out and find three studios, three yoga studios in your area and make a conscious effort to go to each one and take two classes, two different classes with different teachers at each one of those three studios. So that's it. Thanks for listening and talk to you soon.